I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. He was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the most dramatic podcast ever. An iHeartRadio podcast. Chris Harrison coming to you from the home office in Austin, Texas, with another very interesting episode of the most dramatic podcast ever. A few weeks ago, we did a quote-unquote villains of reality TV, people that truly were disliked when they came on the show, um, deservedly or not. But I wanted to continue this conversation with people that I feel anyway were definitely mislabeled as villains. They came off as villains on the show, but then later we all realized, I don't know if that was really fair. Um, Vicki Gunvalson, the original housewife, the OG of the OC, Michelle Money from Bachelor, Bachelorette World, Bachelor in Paradise, um, someone I know very well, a good friend of mine, and Jerry Manthe from Survivor. I feel like these three women in particular were all, well, they all had their moments as villains, but but were they? And I was a huge fan of Jerry's on Survivor. Michelle, I knew very well and actually kind of came to her defense in one of the specials. So these three women I thought would have great perspective and I thought would really carry this conversation to the next level. Joining me clearly uh, from the OC, I mean, beautiful Newport in the background, Vicki Gunvalson. Vicki, how are you doing? Hi, Chris. Good. Ah. I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on, especially for this episode. We had such a strong response as we uh, were talking to kind of the pseudo villains of reality TV. And, you know, I don't know if that moniker really fits for you. And 
actually the housewives in general is kind of interesting because it, at one time or another, everybody is kind of a quote unquote villain. And then sometimes you're the hero. Well, I never want to be classified as a villain because I have an empathetic heart and I, I want to be kind to people, but I will definitely stick up for myself when I have to. So when I started, I was married. Most of the women were married and a lot of us unfortunately got divorced. So the whole housewife you know, name doesn't really pertain to me anymore. I was 42 when I started and I'm 61 now. So, you know, life went through two decades almost of, you know, being a reality star. It's crazy. But you are the, you are the original. I mean, you are the OG well, of the OC. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. It's just time goes by so fast. It's incredible. I'm sure you understand that, right? I, I do. And it, it is remarkable. But and have you, what has struck you the most when you think, wow, I, I've been I'm doing this for 20 years. I started this thing. I know it did. Um, I think what's what really strikes with me at the very end of our lives, whatever that may be, is just the experiences, the places I've been to, the people that I've met. Um, I think that you can't you can't put a number on that. It's just been pretty incredible. When I look back, there's was some years which were horrible, um, but I I just always had the grounding of I know the truth. I'm going to stay with that and. You know, you you get through it, but there's definitely some bad years. Like I was saying, I think, you know, your show is a little bit different with Housewives. I think everybody has a season or at least part of a season where they are the quote unquote bad guy. Um, mm -hmm. Have you seen, I don't know how much you watch or keep up with the franchise, but have you seen it change over the years? How has it evolved since day one in the OC uh, all the way through all these other incarnations of the show? Well, I think that when the girls are coming on now, they're really doing an interview against two or three hundred other women. Yeah. When when I was chosen, I did a little interview with Scott Dunlap, but it wasn't like I even knew what reality TV was. There was only one show on at that time, which was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And I didn't even watch that. So I didn't know how this was going to play out. We didn't have a script. We didn't know what was going on. Now the girls know what they have to do to stay on. They got to be an asshole, you know? And we didn't we didn't come in like that. We came in as a mother, a wife, and wanted to show that you can work, you can have a career, and you can be a mother and a wife and cook dinner every night. And that was something that I really did in real life. And Scott Dunlap, who is the creator and founder of this franchise, said, most women in Kodo don't do that. They, you know, they order out or they're playing tennis all day. I'm like, I go to work, you yeah. know? So that's why it was was such a change now a lot of the women you know don't have a career or they're trying to find a career which i'm proud of them for that but it's totally different now they're actually auditioning <laughs> well i think you hit the nail on the head is back in the day housewives had a career and that's what was shown now mm -hmm. being a housewife is a career that is right. the career and right. i think in in a lot of reality tv that is how things have changed as they look at that as what's going to give you the break in life, as opposed to these people are already so magnificent. Let's just expose that. I know. And you know what, Chris, the hard part is for me is that they, they don't understand that this isn't going to last forever. Yeah. The the they're getting is going to stop and they better have another plan B. And I think many of them, if they've been on more than six years or seven years, that's their career. And I, I worry about them because they don't have anything else going to well, support themselves. I, I had Kelly Dodd on, um, who was obviously a villain and known as that, someone you tangled with. And I even asked her, is there, any, is there anything you regret that you've done? And I actually brought up a moment that involved you. Was, I think she called you a pig uh, on the show. And she's like, no, I don't regret anything. I, and so as you look back, is there 
anything that stood out to you that you wish, mm, wish I had a do-over? Well, a couple things. Actually, mentioning Kelly, she introduced me to my boyfriend. And so that was a good thing that came from the show. Um, but I think that, you know, I, when I saw the red flags with my ex, Brooks, I yeah. should have bailed. I should have left. But I was, I'm a lifer, diver, I, I die hard. I just stay until the whole thing, you know, obviously fell apart. But that I regret. Um, people saw things that I didn't see and I was in it too deep. And I was just like, no way. So, but I was not one to go out and hurt people. Yes. Kelly said, I look like a pig because she was going on what Slade had already called me. I'm like, I look like a pig. That's an animal. That's an ugly animal. So uh, it was very hurtful. And Kelly afterwards apologized, but I'm like, you know what? That's, that's on tapes forever. Yeah. That very, very hurtful. So I don't come from that place of hurt. She was a villain. She was really good TV, beautiful woman. So that was, that was tough for me to get through that. Um, did I handle it right? I don't know. Yeah. In <laughs> no. hindsight, you, know. <laughs> you do the best. To, know. We do the best we can in the moment. And you I mentioned, know, huh? you mentioned your ex Brooks uh, heirs who had lied about having cancer. And do you feel like yeah. maybe you got caught up in that and do you now see why maybe fans didn't support you in that moment? Like, you know, it, guilt by association. So first of all, there's no reason why I would have been in on it. You know, yeah. I have a full life. I didn't need that as my quote unquote storyline. I loved a man who told me something. I believed him. That's it. His parents, his children, everybody was right. telling me he has cancer. Why is your cast saying he doesn't? And, you know, I said, Brooks, give me all your records. It's like, you know, Vicky, I don't know where these are going to go. So I'm not giving you anything now. And it, our relationship started falling apart. And he's like, who do you care more about the show or me? And I'm like, I care more about you. And, yeah. and it was a, it was a constant cycle of going, what, what in the world is going on here? Um, I knew he already had lymphoma years and years prior. So it, wasn't shocking it that the lymphoma came back. So I never will know the truth. I don't know what happened. Um, he left me in the middle of the night and I never talked to him since. So it was coming down pretty hard on him. Um, so it, it was a sad, sad place in my life because it, I was spent five years of my life with him, you know? Well, and, and what a bizarre thing to have happen at any time in your life to anybody, much less the cameras are rolling and this is all aired out. I know. And he's like, I'm everyone. not getting paid to do this. Why am I going to show anybody anything? I'm like, you're right. They're wrong. Let's just love on each other and keep moving on. But, but unfortunately, uh, I'm caught in the middle of it on TV. <laughs> like somebody help me. <laughs> are there Speaking of, are there any housewives that were never cast or portrayed as a villain, but you think maybe they should have? Like maybe America didn't quite see what we all saw. I don't know about that. I don't know who wasn't cast because my circle is pretty small, even though I've been on reality TV for a long time. I go to work every day. I work hard. I come home. I, I have a few good girlfriends and I don't really, I'm not in the social circle of Newport and all this stuff out here. I very, I, I'm private and that's crazy to think that, but I am, I'm very <laughs> private. I don't no, I share a lot it. of stuff with many, cause I don't know where it's going to go. So yeah. um, I, uh, I don't know about the people that weren't cast. I think, you know, Bravo. No, I, no, I mean, people who were on the show, like people that were oh. on the show that didn't, you know, maybe they. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. You know, Tamara and I and Shannon have a very strong bond. We call ourselves the Trace Amigos. In fact, we're starting our first show and it's a skit and it's play on us. And we're silly, stupid, 
slapstick fun. Um, but I think that, you know, when Bravo got rid of Tamara and I, it was a tough day for both of us. We cried our eyes out. And we're like, what are we going to be now? I'm like, I'm going back to Kodo Insurance. I don't know what you're going to do. You know, <laughs> like I'm going back to Cut Fitness. So we both had another place to go to work. And, you know, that was really good for both of us because we weren't so enthralled of being a reality star. You know, it was we had something else. So what that was good. What do you think about this season? And, uh, and Tamara's moments on the show. Yeah, you know, um, Tamara's, <laughs> Tamara definitely uh, came back strong. I think she had to. Uh, she's not meek at all. And she'll tell you what she thinks. And sometimes that's hard to hear. Um, but, I, you know, I think she's, she's happy. She's back. Um, I didn't see the last episode. So I, um, I talk to them every day, Tamara and Shannon. And we have a really good friendship. Yeah. And you know, Tamara on TV is different than Tamara in real life. And I know what she has to do and she'll, she'll call people out, but that's her quote unquote role. I mean, she is telling people what she thinks where I would just go like, I don't want to hang out with you, you know? Well, and you're <laughs> you going to make a, I guess we, we could call it a cameo. You're going to make a brief appearance. Yeah. yeah. I'm on like maybe four or five times this season. Um, you know, Tamara and Shannon rallied for me, which was very nice to them. Uh, they're like, we can't have this without Vicky. She's our, she's the glue that kind of holds, holds us together. So um, evolution brought me on, I don't know, four or five different times. So that was good. And that was hard because I was like, I didn't know what was going on yeah. this season because I didn't get to see it. So I don't know who's fighting with who and why are we fighting? And can't we just all get along? And, you know, are you was- in talks for more? Uh, would you like to come back full time? Yeah, I would. You know, I, I miss it. I miss it a lot. Um, if I don't, then I'm moving on to something else. I've got some other things in the works. And so if I do, then. I'll, I'll do my best again. I've always done my very best, you know? Yeah. Well, hey, to use a, a sports analogy here, uh, if you're the coach, you don't leave a Hall of Famer on the bench. That's all I'm saying, no. guys. I know. I don't want to be on the bench. Yeah. I mean, caller, you only created this whole thing and started this thing. They're damn lucky to have you. I know. I did the Ultimate Girls Trip 4 in Morocco with... Uh, other girls from other franchises like Phaedra and um, Brandy Glanville. And we yeah. had a great time that be airing toward the end of the year. So, you know, that's always fun for me to get back in front of the camera and, and, and be me. So I don't know if it's housewives in particular, or maybe reality TV, but there are lots of divorces uh, in, in the housewives universe. Y- you're one of them. Is it, I mean, how, exponentially stressful is it to try and have a relationship and keep it normal and be in love and and do and be a housewife yeah chris it's really hard and i just think not only the housewife franchise the whole world i mean people are exiting out of relationships without working on them and i was one of them and i hate that i did that but i got caught up in traveling a lot um you know, God and I were getting disconnected. I had teenagers. Um, there was just a lot of ick. And I I was just like, I, I want more in a relationship. And so I truly believe that if I didn't do reality TV, we'd still be together. And, Interesting. Uh, you know, I'll, yeah. I, and he knows that. And he just is like, you were gone so much. You were traveling. You were working so much. And there was nothing left for us at the end of the night. And you got to really prioritize. If your marriage is important and your family is important, that's got to be number one. Um, God first, and then your relationship and your kids and all that. So I, I, I felt prey to the just the whole limelight and being known and recognized and working and being on the side of buses in New York. And Don would not want to go. And he's like, "We're going to get divorced if you keep this up." I'm like, "We're not going to get divorced. Just let yeah. me let me fly like a bird. I'll come back to the nest." And 
at the end of the day, when I came back to the nest, the nest was gone. You know, yeah. it was just empty. There was nothing left. I understand that. I mean, I went through that myself of being, and I was just the host of a show for 20 years and that divide happened and, and you never thought it was going to, and it wasn't intentional, but it happens. I totally understand. You know, and you look out into this world in Newport and all these people, you know, divorce rate in California is like 75%. It's hard. And I'm, I'm from Chicago. Like we don't get divorced. We stay yeah. and stay and make it better. And none of my girlfriends are divorced back there. None of my family has ever been divorced. Moving out here in California, my mother said, you're going to end up getting divorced. Don't go there. I'm like, why would I get divorced? You know, and lo and behold, here we go. moms know, moms know best. Um, th- there was a, a big scandal, obviously, that captured our imagination um, early this summer from Vanderpump Rules. You have said that the scandal, this deal with Tom Sandoval and Vanderpump, 100% staged. Is this just your guess? Do you know this to be true? I know nothing. I know nothing other than I believe that production, and I truly believe this, knew what was going on. Everybody knew what was going on, and their ratings shot up, that maybe they were dead in the water, I don't know, but all those people, there's there's no loyalty in that. Seems like everybody's just screwing everybody. It's like what in the world, you know? You're not my friend if you're screwing my fiance or my person I've lived with for nine years, and that came out. But I think there's so much more to it that we'll never know. These girls don't have a career. When this thing ends, what are they going to do? Yeah, I would say, look, and I know nothing about the production at Bravo, but just obviously, I I know intimately the world of reality TV and producing it. Do I think it was 100% staged? Probably not. Did they help it along and did they use it the best they could and maybe, you know, hold on to it and manifest it? Yes. Yeah, of course they did. They know what they're doing. I mean, Evolution is an incredibly great production company. The producers are, you know, somewhat conniving, like tell this girl this when they know that what the answer is going to be. And I had no idea about it. So that's what I meant about a hundred percent stage. These producers know what's going on and they know how to get what they need to create a show. And that's what they were doing with Megan Edmonds with me. I mean, they were going into her ear, ask her for the records. Like why would somebody ask me for medical records? I'm never showing anybody my records. The setup, the setup was there. You were set up to fail. Yep. Yep. There's no way around it. So that's what I meant by that. It's not that, you know, the producer said, oh, you cheat on that one. That's not what I meant. I meant was that everybody knew what was going on and they were pushing the narrative, how they needed it to go for, for a good show. Well, uh, your insight is brilliant because if there is anybody who knows it is uh, the OG of the OC, the the, the woman that started it all. Um, Vicki, thank you so much for Uh your time. I truly appreciate it. My best to you. Really. I'm really so proud of you and your career and, you know, now you're doing your podcast and I'm proud. Well, it's and uh, likewise, uh, I hope we see you more and more. Uh, four or five yeah. times will not be enough okay. this season. So uh, bring, I'm on, the, like, I'm on the bring like, Vicky back bandwagon. <laughs> no, my best to you. Bye, okay. Vicky. Take care. Bye. It took me a while to figure out my mom is more than just a mom. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. Mary Beth, she is a force to be reckoned with. Successful career, many talents, a great friend group. I could go on and on about my mom. I love her dearly. Well, this Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why I'm sending farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And I got you 25% off your entire Books purchase so you can send some too. Here's why I like Books. Books is different. 
Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. Books has also made it easy. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th, right around the corner. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, the wife, aunt, hey, even your grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code Chris for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code Chris. Books.com and use promo code Chris. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me now, one of the dearest people in my life, someone I love and adore and is a very good friend of mine, Michelle Money. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Harrison. You look fantastic. You're so sweet. You're so kind. I love to get the call from you. Hey, you want to talk on the podcast? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it, buddy. I don't know if uh, I'm sure you are a religious listener of the most dramatic podcast ever, but a few weeks ago, uh, just in case you missed it, I did this kind of villains episode and Courtney Robinson came on. uh, Yeah. Richard Hatch from uh, Survivor. And I just, I had these villains and these are people that really kind of were known as villains. And then I thought, what about the Michelle Moneys of the world? What about those that technically were known as villains, but they weren't? 
and we're mm. really mislabeled. And I talked to Jerry mm. Manthe from uh, Survivor, and and I thought this is you. I you know I, I vividly remember mm. your storyline so much, and even coming to your defense at the uh, reunion yeah. show when everybody was banging on you so much, and I was like, just yeah. stop. Um, yeah. So that's why I wanted to have you on, among other things, I'm other than so just to see you your face. Oh, you're so, you know, what's so funny, Chris, is for so long, like that word villain, like just triggered me. It was like, it just, I was so impacted by it. It really bothered me, obviously, I because it, I, it didn't portray who I really am, but it was really cool. Like a few years ago, I actually like, maybe like five years ago, I finally like kind of was I was like in this deep meditation and I was like, why, why does this trigger me so much? Cause I know who I am and I know that this isn't, that isn't how, you know, I right. am. And then it hit me how important it is that like, we all have these, um, I do have the ability to be a villain and I can give you evidence of me having been a villain in my life. And it was almost like the rejecting of it what's keeping me so stuck and so like conflicted. And it wasn't until I just kind of like, you know what, we all embody all of these personas and personality traits that we all can like express or not. And the second I was just like, you know what, there are parts of me that I'm not proud of. And there's parts of me that I have kind of, you know, like that would characterize me as being a villain. It wasn't necessarily on that show and not necessarily in the way it was portrayed, but I finally like integrated it into my, into myself and my life. And it was like, yeah, we, you know what? I'm not perfect. Yeah. Michelle, that is such an interesting take. And it's, it's a take that nobody out of the six people I've talked to during all this has, has gone that direction of at any given moment in our lives, we are all capable if cameras were rolling totally. to be the villain. If our lives totally. were totally exposed and we were on reality TV, you know, quote unquote, for sure. We, there's always moments where we're not perfect and we don't look so good and we say stuff that we shouldn't say or do things we shouldn't do. And you regret it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes just you're acting yeah. out. Sometimes you're just a human being and you just say something or do something. It's so true. And this, and this, the more you just reject that, the more like you connected you become to it. And so it's really cool that I can actually sit and have this conversation with you now because like five years ago, I would have been like, no, we're not talking about it. And, and that's just five years ago. Oh yeah. That, I mean that was that was a long time after. Yeah, it's been interesting. I've like had to go to therapy over all this. It's been like a very <laughs> you know, because the people who know me and love me know I'm not worried about that. But it's that occasional person I'll run into and it's like, Oh yeah, you were the villain. And it's like, God, you know, I'm I promise I'm not like trying to defend myself all the time, yeah. but like um I've worked through a lot of it and you know, so much of what I think empowered me to evolve from that um, term is, is accountability. And you really have to take ownership in knowing that like I signed the contract, like that's why it was this thick, yeah. and, you know, like I agreed to give my, like they had could do anything with the editing they could do. And I have to take accountability for that. And that was more empowering than like trying to reject this, like, word yeah. that is so triggering Well, and the for thing me. is people that come up and say that mean nothing by it. It's like when they see me and they're like, hey, Rose guy, or 
it's yeah, you know, yeah. They, or they say one of my silly, stupid phrases that I said for so many years, and it's like they mean nothing by it. It's just what they connect totally. you with, and they actually usually end up being very nice and want to have a conversation for sure. And you know, they're, they're really not true. saying, "Hey, Michelle, money, you're a real bitch." It's like, no, they just knew you. Yeah. And the but the funny thing is, for me, is out of all the people that you know, look, I wasn't on Survivor and Real Housewives and all that. I intimately was involved in your situation, and so that's why I was yeah. always so emotional about it. And it's and it's tough for me to hear how much you struggled because I've known you to be such a tough woman, um, and you you give off this very tough exterior, but deep down you were struggling with this. Oh yeah, well, and it's interesting, like you know, as you as you evolve and age and kind of grow up, you have I have the ability to now look back on situations and understand, like, okay, yeah, I can see how. I came across as aggressive. I can see now how somebody would read that as, you know, like a little overly confident and, um, you know, but it's taken me a long time to have yeah. that much like self-awareness to even look, look at it with that mindset. You know, did you ever watch the show back? No, never. I stopped watching, um, after like a few episodes when I realized like, Oh, this is what they're doing to me. I mean, there were so many, so many situations that were just edited out of context and totally picked and put into different, like, I don't know if you remember, but like the last, when I like left Anguilla, I like had this whole conversation with Brad that went, that was beautiful and really wonderful. And I felt like a lot of closure from it. And then I got into the limo and I get really carsick. And so I had like done my interview in the limo and everything. And then I laid down because I was really sick and they cut the whole conversation that I had with Brad out. They cut the whole interview in the limo and just made it look like I like didn't talk to him, got in the limo, laid down. And so those were the things that were really hard for me because it was like trying to defend something that didn't happen. Right. Right. It was like, like and, people and, saying, and if somebody hasn't seen it, how do you explain it? And it just right. falls on deaf ears. Totally. And those were the things that I think um, were the hardest because it was, they were things that literally did not happen. And so that is tricky because it's like, I, I can't, I can't argue with what, how many millions of people are watching and, and it's not worth it to be honest. And so, yeah, man, it is a psychological, like, yeah. And, it's hard. and anybody can say, oh, you know, even you said it yourself. I signed up for this, whatever. But you didn't sign yeah. up. You didn't sign up for that. That's not what you signed no, up for. Well, no. And you never think it's going to happen to you. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like, I say that to people all the time. If you think you are the guy that's or, or girl that's just going to come in and look like Captain America or Miss America. Yeah. Like that happens to 0.01%. Yeah. Yeah. You're wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, it's That's so true. Everybody, you know, very few people get through this unscathed and, and myself included. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, you get it. The, the thing that I am so grateful for, like, it's so interesting as I look back, I'm mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't change anything. Right. Like in the, in the moment and the years following, like it was really, it was hard for me. But what it did was it put me like on a fast track to stop caring about what other people think of me. Interesting. And the second, the moment that you are truly free from worrying about what anyone else thinks about you other than like God and your family and like you're free. And it put me on the fast track to freedom because that 
I really had to look in the mirror and be like, am I going to let these people that I don't even know, that don't even know me, like dictate my worth and my joy. And um, I think the sooner that we get to that place in our lives, the happier we become. And that was just the path that I went down that like Very freed me up. Uh, you I, know? I just went through that journey myself. I, I mean, it took, yeah. and I'm 51 and I just got to that place in life because it took a catastrophic event to create that. Um, yeah, man. And, and like you said. You, and do you feel free? Like, do you feel? Better than I have in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and, wild. And because once you, like you said, once you take responsibility for who you are, once you take yeah. responsibility for your part and everything, then it kind of just takes all the toxicity and the animosity off the table. Like I don't. Totally. There's, there's nothing you're giving to me. I'm not getting, you know, and so, yeah, it's, there's a freedom there and a weight lifted off your shoulders when, and I hate to say it, that you don't care because you and I are very caring people, but it is to a certain degree, you don't care. Yeah. Like what you think about me has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Your issues. What I, what I love, what I love about that though, is that what I think about you has everything to do with me. Yeah. Right. And so I, that is where I put my energy is in, is in like sending out the love, aligning with love. Like if, you know, if I have hard feelings for you, that's a me thing. That's not a you thing. Like, why am I offended by, by you? Like I take accountability for that now. And so what you think of me has nothing to do with me, but what I think of you has everything to do with me. And that is, that is empowering. It's beautiful. And yeah, and uh, I learned all that be- because I was the villain. <laughs> the villain. Well, what's funny is, <laughs> yeah. you know, to hear you struggle so much. I was actually on an airplane last night and flipping through my phone because we didn't have service. And um, the most amazing picture came up. It was 2013. Oh, and we were at okay. your dad's charity event the, oh, my in, gosh, in honor, of, so in honor of your late father um, for colon cancer. And yeah. we were in, I think, was it Park City? Park City, Utah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, we no, we were. Were we in? Were Salt we at Lake? the Huntsman Cancer Institute? We oh, were yeah, in Salt that's, Lake. Yeah. You're right. We're in Salt Lake City, and so we were there. Yeah. For, and so I was looking back at these pictures, and I was like, "Oh man, it's amazing." You and I are about to talk today, and this picture just came up. And that's wild. You know, I don't. I I remember back then, you being happy and already being so beloved. And yes, you had that villain moniker. But I feel like after the show, the tide really changed already and people started falling in love and seeing Michelle Money as what she was, this very funny, very intelligent, self-deprecating woman. Um, (laughs) And that started to finally come across. But it's interesting to me that you deep down were still struggling with that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think what I think what was going on as I look back on it is people were starting to understand more of me, right? It's like, which is so like, we do this in life, right? Like we are so quick to put someone in a category and we're so quick to pass the judgment. And, and the truth is, is the more you get to learn about people, the more you spend time with someone, the more you're, you let them off the hook a little bit easier. Right. And so I think what was going on is as I was on bachelor pad, people got to see other like, aspects of who I am and then bachelor in paradise that kind of just expanded. And then you realize that we're all just human beings. Like we're all just human. And so that's what I think. And I think it, that is true for like people like Courtney and, you know, like, I think anyone, like the more you really get to know someone and see 
um, you know, all the whole spectrum of their personality, you just have a little bit more like you feel a little bit more connected to them and yeah. relatable you have sympathy and, and you realize that sympathy. It, yeah. yeah. And I love Courtney and I always loved Courtney. And I, while I, I understood there were certain things she did and said at the time because of who she was and her profession and everything that it didn't look great in the light of day, but I understood where yeah. it came from. And that was, I always said when, when I did interviews, no matter who it was, whether it was you or Courtney or Chad or anybody, even Juan Pablo or whatever, where people found it so easy to dislike them and they wanted yeah. me to just pile on. And I could be critical about people, but I always found it so simple to say, this person's bad. This person's good. She's a bitch. He's a jerk, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Life's not that simple. Life, no. It's not that black and white. There's this gray area. And I always wondered why these people were the way they were. And that's what I always found fascinating about the show is totally. what, what makes people tick? What got you to this point? What made you say that? What made you do that? And even when I went through what I went through, I felt I did that same look in the mirror of, okay, what got you to this point? What, mm -hmm. you know, what are all the factors, you know, outlying factors, mm -hmm. inside factors. And so if you don't look in the mirror first, I think you're failing yourself. And I think just painting somebody villain, good that's just it's a silly concept it is and it's interesting because when you understand like as far as like a reality show goes like you need to have that character arc i yeah. understand it from like a production standpoint and a storyline standpoint and so it's like I, like for because for a long time i was mad at like the editors and i was mad at like yeah you know and when you understand like no 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 like everyone's just doing their job like no one's out to get me right yeah, no one, no no one does. I me. hate Michelle Money. I'm going to bury Nobody's her. like, she's the worst. I'm going to, it's just, it's just part of what you but sign up for. But it happened just the same. I'm, totally, totally. And so, you know, it's funny now. I'm just like, it's so cool to not have, like when you texted me and we're like, you know, I, I want to talk about like the villain yeah. thing. Like uh, it took me a few hours to realize, oh my gosh, I, that didn't even trigger me. Like I didn't even like, it was like, yes, I'll talk to you, Harrison. I'll talk to you about anything. Well, and, but, like, and you know, I love and adore you. And, and I was never. <laughs> yes, that's so true. And you, I have to say like you coming to my rescue and you really like standing up for me when I was getting like attacked on women tell all, like that was one of the most like impactful moments of my life. And that I'll never, ever get over it. Like, I'm so grateful to you for like standing up for me and speaking up when no one else was, I know that was probably a hard position for you to be in. Well, and likewise, uh, the first one of, if not the first person to reach out to me as soon as I got divorced and my divorce went public and it got messy and all that, you were the first one by my side and no. spent time with you and you became one of my dearest friends. And so I appreciate yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. And you're the best ever. And thank you for all you do for me. Love you, my friend. Love you. It took me a while to figure out my mom is more than just a mom. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. Mary Beth, she is a force to be reckoned with. Successful career, many talents, a great friend group. I could go on and on about my mom. I love her dearly. Well, this Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why I'm sending farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And I got you 25% off your entire Books purchase so you can send some too. Here's why I like Books. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. Books has also made it easy. I went online, picked the delivery date, 
and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th, right around the corner. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, the wife, aunt, hey, even your grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code Chris for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code Chris. Books.com and use promo code Chris. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible... Uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs in Schools. They prey on you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me now, maybe she was the original bad girl of Survivor. Is that fair? <laughs> Jerry Manthe, is that fair? Uh, yes, it's absolutely fair. <laughs> uh, Jerry Manthe uh, from three seasons of Survivor, I think. Is that right? Wasn't it three total? That you it did? was three. Um, but yes. originally Australian Outback, which was, I, I was looking back at the most viewed season. No wonder they called you back so many times. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have had a small effect on the franchise. <laughs> and at the time, so I, knowing my Bachelor numbers, our biggest season when we were the number one show on TV, I think it was around that time, was 33 million. So my guess is Australian Outback was probably a little bigger, 35, maybe 36 million viewers at the time. That is insane to think about, isn't it? It is. I don't know any other show that gets that many Well, viewers. nothing does now. I mean, right now they're happy <laughs> if you get 3 million. I mean, seriously, on primetime TV, if you're doing 3 million, you're like, oh, wow, look at us. We were throwing, I mean, 
three million, you could sneeze and lose three million back in the day, and you were fine. Uh, that's <laughs> it, you guys left such an impression. It, when I look back and Survivor, and I'm a big fan. I was a huge fan of yours, and I talked to Richard Hatch as well, who I really loved back in the day. Survivor was different because I felt like the quote unquote villains were just really good at playing the game. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I think it is fair. And I mean, nobody had any idea how it worked yet. And everyone thought that what they saw on television was real. So we had that kind of going against us as well. Like they, they didn't understand the editing process yet or storylines or all those things. Um, none so of us people, did. I mean, producers, yeah. probes, none of us. We were all trying to figure it out. Yeah, it was it was intense, you know, like I, I, I really, it was such a weird time too, because we didn't have the internet per se. There yeah. were some chat rooms going on that were very evil. But it was such dark web stuff that. Yeah, but it was the tabloids. Yeah. So, and that was still, that's like the social media of our time. <laughs> yeah, but it was, I mean, even the tabloids were. I don't know, more tame, honestly, and, and more controlled than what can be spewed now. I, I remember, I think the first time I ran into you was, was it at Celebrity Dodgeball when there was the Survivor team? I think so. Yeah. Cause you, you were a huge fan of Survivor. I remember you were very nice to me. <laughs> I, I loved, and I, I met Colby uh, Donaldson, who was on your, your season. He was there who I actually kind of became friends with and talked to for, for quite a bit as we're both Texas boys. Um, and I remember talking to Propes that night. Because I was hired for The Bachelor already, but I hadn't shot it yet. And I remember talking to all of you and asking, what in the world is this reality TV genre? What are we doing? Um, <laughs> and I, remember, I I was so curious because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Even as a host and producer, I had no clue yet. And so that it, we were just so naive back then. We were. And I think that's what made it so magical was we didn't know what we were doing at all. I just knew going on the show that I was going to model my game after Richard Hatch, which was create an alliance as fast as I possibly could. And that's all that mattered. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen afterwards. Like I, my experience out there was very different than the way it ended up looking on television. Well, that's, you know, Michelle Money uh, from our uh, Bachelor world is is on this episode as well. And one of the reasons I wanted to put the two of you on this episode is villains who aren't really villains in real life and maybe not even villains on the show. And Michelle Money fell into that same category. And I knew that more intimately because I was there, but I felt the same thing about you. And especially after I met you and I'm like, are you, how could anybody be mad at this lovely woman? I don't, I don't get, I don't get the vitriol. I don't get it. And so you, but it's interesting that you felt the same way that when you were in the outback in Australia, you didn't feel like you were the villain. You were just playing the game. Yeah, uh, it was very hard to watch. I just recently rewatched that season and I oh, haven't really? seen it since it first aired. And I found myself like getting really upset because I didn't do anything that should have warranted being a villain. But it, again, it, the times were so different back then. And I, I mean, I was being bullied. Yeah. Like I literally got bullied by these folks and I don't think that would fly now, especially now with the new genre of Survivor. And Right. When you say you were bullied by these folks, you mean the other cast members, producers? Yeah. 
Yeah, the other cast, they were they were mean to me. And I didn't, you know, I get I get emails from people all the time. They're like, what did you do? I don't understand. Like, why were you a villain? It doesn't make any sense. And you can't, you know, take these younger generation viewers right. back to the past and explain to them where we were at in our lives back then. No, I, by the way, I tried that. It doesn't work well. <laughs> <laughs> they just um, make you feel really old. Yeah, exactly. You're out of touch. You have no idea. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, we built the stage you're standing on, by the way. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I have noticed, I went to a charity event last year, um, Hearts of Reality, uh-huh. which is great. You should go. You would love it. Um, there's a lot of newer players on all these different shows that really love to give us props. And I got to say, it felt so good to have people coming up to me going, thank you for being a trailblazer. And, you know, I appreciate you, Jerry, you're the OG, you know, and I'm like... It's it's pretty interesting, especially when someone's like, oh, I've been watching you since I was two years old. And I'm like, <gasps> oh, God, yeah, I know that that I was, you know, when I was leaving The Bachelor after 20 years, these these young ladies are 20 years old and they've been watching. But it's also such an honor to have that kind of backing and that following. But it's, it's so you mentioned something about you modeled your game after Richard Hatch at the time. Had you felt the repercussions against Richard? And still went with that theory? Or at the time, did you really not know how Richard was being perceived and you just thought, hey, he's a good game player? Because he was he was thrown out as kind of a villain too. Yeah. And I didn't even watch season one because I sent in a tape and they didn't pick me. And I was an yeah. actress, you know, and I'm like, well, you didn't cast me, then screw you and your stupid right. show. <laughs> um but right before I left, like the, I think the finale was briefly before I got picked officially. Uh-huh. So I went back and watched all the episodes and I just remember sitting there going, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Right. Because <laughs> if it was about surviving in nature, I can do that. Like that's no big deal. But it was the social aspect of it that was so triggering in some ways of like high school when you know there were the popular kids and like all, all the the power struggles that happen at that time of your life that are very triggering and to realize that that was going to be on national television it was a little a little scary but i'm a very competitive person so yeah. second hit the ground i was like screw it you know i'm here i'm going to do this i'm going to go balls out and see what happens well when did you first feel the repercussions and and know oh my gosh i'm being painted as a villain and start feeling that? Was it when you got back home after the finale? No, it was um, episode two. Um, That was kind of my- When it was airing. Yeah, when it was airing. So episode two is my defining episode. It was the episode where I catch Kel eating beef jerky and they make it look like I made it up, which I did not. Um, It's when I confront Keith about the rice and it was just like this episode of all me, like, yeah, you know, throwing things out there that weren't well received because I was just very brutally honest. <laughs> and, and I knew I just felt like this shift. And I used to go to my friend's house every week and stop at the grocery store and pick up some wine and snacks and look over at the tabloids, and my face would be on every single tabloid, like, oh, Jerry's boyfriends came out of the woodwork and said she was this, this, and this. Yeah. And oh, I got blamed for breaking up Probe's marriage. <laughs> like it was 
craziness. So I would just grab all the tabloids. I'd go to my friend's house and I'd just be like, oh my God, what's happening? He did date a former cast member, but it was not you. It was not me. (laughs) (laughs) She worked for us on The Bachelor for a a bit as well. Um, And so, yeah, it was definitely not your fault. No, it was no, it wasn't anybody's fault. They had their own thing yeah. going on. I don't know. Um, yeah, That's- it it was crazy. And I remember one time in LA, pulling out into traffic, and this Porsche was flying down Beverly Boulevard like I don't know, eighty miles an hour, and he pulls up next to me and makes like this window yeah. thing. I'm like what? I roll my window down. He's like, "That's why everybody thinks you're such a bitch." You're in cool. traffic, I was like. I guess I pulled out in front of you going 80 or something. I don't know. I was like, oh my God, what is happening to my Isn't life? Isn't that wild? Was was there a, a low point for you in all of this uh, that you were just like, I, I, I don't know if I could do this? Yeah, because I, I was an actress already before I did the show. And I thought that being on this the number one TV show in America would help propel my career. But even people in casting were like, I don't want to work with her. Look at look at what a biatch she is. And it was very frustrating for me because I was like, Oh my God, just get to know me. That's it wasn't, it was just, yeah, there was a lot of really low, low points for sure. I just tried to make the best out of what I was being given. Well, that's, that's, I guess that's my next question. You did end up finding a way to lean into it and monetize it. You did a couple more seasons um, you did all stars and then I think it was what heroes versus villains. So they actually literally brought you back with the title of a villain. What made you go back and do that again and, and lean into it? Was it just the fact that, Hey, if I can't beat him, join him? More or less. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I just kept thinking that like the second time I went back on, I said, this time I'm going to go in and be more vulnerable and sweet which did not work in my favor. <laughs> you cannot do that on that show. You can't right. be vulnerable. It's you're setting yourself up for all kinds of horrible situations. I mean, I almost quit. There was the worst storm in survivor history and I thought we were going to die. So I almost quit, but I, I stayed in there. And then the last time I went on the same thing, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. And I can't change anyone's mind. Right, so I might point. win the money, like just focus on winning. I didn't care about screen time or any of that stuff. I just wanted, I wanted a million dollars. I mean, why? well, yeah, of course. Why not? I um, wanted it to be my character arc, right? Like that's what everybody she, talks about. She finally about. wins. Yeah. And I was one day, one day away from winning. And it's Yeah. Still- you made final four in that last season, right? Oh, yeah. So close. It was so hard. And you know, what's so funny is um, I just watched the surreal life with some yeah. friends of mine couple days ago for the first time since it came out and that show um going back and watching it i got to be myself like i am literally if you want to know what i'm like in real life yeah go back and watch that first season of surreal life that is me and i am still the same exact person as i was back then i i look a little bit older but i we all do you know (laughs) Um, speaking of, uh, looking good, you did playboy in the middle of all this. I I remember that. I I remember that was a big deal. That was like a big (laughs) deal, um, back then. And first of all, I, I, I have another question on top of this, but first, what made you say yes to that? And did they approach you? Did you approach them? 
they came to me and I called my parents and my mom was like, Oh my God. Like my parents are not right. It's not their, you know, but I, my whole life I've lived a life that if I could call my parents to be proud about something or make them proud, that was like my litmus test as to whether I should do it or not. <laughs> so I talked to my mom and she was just like, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I think so. It scares the living shit out of me. So I have to do it. Oh, I so, like that. Yeah. Things that challenge me are usually the things that I, I'm like, I got to figure out why I'm scared of this. Yeah. But there's something very, very vulnerable about being naked. And I needed to do, I needed to explore that, especially at that point. I felt like maybe this is how I, you know, let people know that I'm, I'm a human being and I have vulnerabilities. Truly bear it all. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you coming on. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Thanks for the insight. Absolutely. See you. My thanks to Vicky, Jerry, and my good friend, Michelle Money, for coming on the show, sharing their journey, sharing uh, being a villain. And these are three women that are extraordinary in their own ways. And I think Michelle Money really summed it up uh, so eloquently that at any point in time, any of us that walk this earth can be a villain. There are things that everybody listening would probably not be proud of if it was put in front of the world. And it's something I can definitely relate to. And I really appreciate that they all opened up in such a vulnerable way and shared their experience on Housewives, Survivor, and of course, Money with The Bachelor. So my thanks to them and my thanks to you. As always, appreciate you so much. And I will talk to you next time because we have a lot more to talk about. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the most dramatic pod ever and make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. I'll talk to you next time. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts